I heard of Doug Kilpatrick well before I ever met him. His notoriety was widespread, not only as a fantastic guide in the Laura Keys, but someone who was equally admired as a person and funny. Once I had a chance to be on his boat, I immediately understood all of his accolades. He was instantly a close friend. We smashed fish and laughed our asses off. Here's Doug Kilpatrick. We broke everything. We broke lines. We broke hooks. We broke rods. We broke our minds. We broke marriages. We broke the whole thing. We uh, came up with the idea of going out that night and chasing girls, and whoever had the biggest pair of panties won the pot. I knocked another arrow, and he turned around the other way, and I shot him going through the other way. So I double lunged him both ways. But it was nothing for us to paddle an air mattress out into government cut. I got him on. All right, now we're going to teach him a lesson. I'm just an old guy that likes to fish. I'm not quitting yet. And he said, well, who the hell do you think you are, Sue App? And I said, that's exactly who I am. Life's journey to the grave should not be one arriving with a pretty, well-preserved body, but rather skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly torn out, thoroughly used up, proclaiming wildly, wow, what a ride. <laughs> There's something fishy going on here. You have been such a great friend for so long, and I, I can't only say, but for myself, but speaking on behalf of so many guides in the Keys, I'm talking from Miami to Key West. You mentioned the name Doug Kilpatrick. Their, their heart bleeds for you and, and your constitution, your ethics, your moral compass, your friendship. You set the standard by, of love, I'm telling you. And well, I just got to tell you that you, you and I have fished for so many years. We won tournaments together. But more importantly, you're, you've been a brother. And, and I got to thank you well, so much. You've been a brother, too. And, you know, it's nice, nice words from you. And I, I like it's nice to hear that people think like that. But I'm not I don't know if they all, they all do. But <laughs> no. but uh, but yeah, no, they it's, do. It's, it's it's nice. Well, you've had such a, a big life uh, and you've affected and been so exposed to so many people in the Keys through tournaments. Uh, you've been down here for a long time. And let me just kind of go through some of the stuff that I'm talking about for our audience. You're now in the board of BTT. Uh, a huge conservationist. You were president of the Laura Keys Guides Association, which obviously just recently the referendum has been passed. And that started a long time when you were working, you know, but let me go through here a little bit. Um, you've won four tournaments, the Dell Brown permit, two March Merkin permit tournaments, three permit tournaments, the Golden Fly with me, over 60 some world records. You've cut 34 permit this year. And you have really mentored a lot of the younger, you know, uh, guides. So your spectrum is huge, but not only here in the Keys, but you had a home in Cody. You're a pro prolific hunter, bow hunter. You've been attacked by bears. I mean, if you take a look at the spectrum of your life, how old are you now? Well, I, I'm 49. Just turned 49. 49. 
And so, so what is the most meaningful part of what I've just read off? If, if you can just kind of focus in for a the, second. The, the, most, the most meaningful part is friendships. And, and I, I would much rather be remembered as a good guy than any of that. Right. Um, and, and, and conservation. I think, I think it's crucial that we protect our resources as population grows, more people fish out there fish, fishing. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, I think for the future, um, we, need, we need to protect our fishery and the environment that sustains it. Um, you know, oh, by the way, I didn't, I didn't get attacked by the bear. It was friends of mine, and I was there, but what? across the draw. But, you, were, you were there. But, but <laughs> anyway, I just wanted yeah. to clear that up because <laughs> okay. I, didn't, I did not. But, but um, <laughs> I always want to come clean if something's <laughs> not quite right. So, so anyways... Um, yeah, I think I think conservation achievements would be the proudest moments of my life. Um and some we're still working on. Right. Um Barracudas. I had a lot to do with the Barracuda issue and uh they were being slaughtered and and we were we were seeing them the, the numbers were way down and they're already back. And it it's so basically, you have banned the con the uh, commercialization well, of catching barracuda. There's now slot limits, and there's they're they're only allowing so many per boat. So uh, it's helped immensely because people were going out with a with basically just a products license, which you and I could go by at the courthouse tomorrow, and they would go out because barracuda was an unregulated species. You could go out to spawning areas and they were spearing them or just trolling around the towers out in the Gulf and just slaughtering them. And these are, these are all spawning fish when they're doing that. Those are spawners. Right. So we were seeing the flats fish disappear. Decimated. I mean, we were, you know, when I started guiding, we are you go out with tubes out West Key West or even in the back here and, it was not uncommon to get 50 bites and catch, you know, 20, 25 kudas in a day. And it got to where it's like six, seven, you know, you're going, oh boy, we're in trouble. Right. And in the and, winter, because obviously the, the tarpon are not around, permit fishing might not be so good. So it, be, it became a very sustainable sport to go catch kudas with flies and, and tube lures for oh, your customers. It, it's, it's and phenomenal. it's a great fish. Phenomenal. Phenomenal fish. I mean... They run off a hundred yards and they're greyhounding and the bites are insane. It's just, why not? We need to take care of that fish. Right. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, those are the achievements that I would be the most proud of. Um, we still have a lot of work to do and uh, there's permit spawn that we would like to protect. Um, who knows how things will evolve with tarpon. Um, but uh, there's definitely work to do and science to be done. And BTT has been doing a great job with the science end of it. And uh, economic studies are important um, because, you know, the, the flats fishing industry just in Monroe County alone is over a $300 million industry a year. And that was recession numbers. Right. Those numbers were taken in 2009. So here we are, um, you know, in 2020, I would love to see another economic study through the 
through the, when the market was screaming and how many people were coming down. I would right. love to see the numbers now. 11, 12 years later. It's gotta oh, be. They, they've got to be huge. Right. And and uh, I think it when you get the science and the economic numbers, now you got something to go to FWC with or fisheries. Yeah, you have some leverage. And, and I think it's important for people to understand the value of these fish. I mean, I think I've just recently heard that a bonefish over its lifespan is worth about $70,000 economically so you put that in the eyes of uh the bahamian people and the cuban people and the people of my of of laurel keys i mean we've been catching release for a long time but you go to right. places like belize right you know and especially like the bahamas yeah people that have netted them and and have eaten them for so long right but bt2 is also set up like national parks over there so exactly. now they're protected and bt and, and yeah btt has been doing a great job and Ross Busek at, at Bonefish Tarpon Trust is a great scientist and he's hands-on. He comes and meets with us, talks to us, gives us all the numbers. And and we actually participate some with him. Yeah. But getting back to Belize, Belize is protecting permit more than we are right now. So, you know, we need to get on the stick with our permit. Um, it's contentious, you know, between the light tackle guides, offshore guides and us. Uh, as you know, we're... we're trying to get this zone, this 1.3 square mile zone, not all of Western, just a little area where they spawn. We're trying to get protection on that for three months. And that's, not, that's not a lot to ask for. Three months uh, is just a little it, period in, of time. In my opinion, it's not a lot to ask for. In fact, I've we've been to the light tackle, a few light tackle guides and talked about it. And uh, we even tried to help them with being able to net bait in certain areas that the sanctuary might want to close. So, hoping we could work together and and you know get some good work done for for the fish and and in the long run we'll have more fish for both of us yeah so no it's it's, it's understood for sure um let's go back to your childhood in your early fishing years Mm -hmm. what stands out most 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 vividly oh gosh what stands out my my I, i remember as a kid you know, in fourth grade when I woke up Christmas morning and my parents uh, had life jackets set out f- for me. And I said, life jackets? What's the deal? I got life jackets. I thought it was a kind of a cruel joke or something. And I was sleepy eyed, I guess. And I didn't notice this ribbon that was on my tied to my bedpost that went all the way outside. And there was a little aluminum, 12 uh, foot aluminum John boat with my name on the side painted yellow, I guess, so they could... <laughs> see me or find me in case I got (laughs) lost but with a little Sears three horsepower on it and um I don't know I just felt like here's this is my world now I can get out and go do things and of course I had limits on where I was allowed to go and you had to wear the life jacket and everything but it was uh it was a great time in my life I mean behind if anybody's ever been around little Lake Worth in that area there's there's islands back there where you catch big jacks and there's snook and you know, and everything from grabbing horseshoe crabs and racing them as a little kid, <laughs> trying to see this horseshoe crab would get first place. But uh, we, you know, we just had a, we had a, I had a great childhood, and we did a lot of snook fishing later on in the Palm Beach Inlet, Jupiter Inlet. Did tagging for the uh, Department of Natural Resources with a guy named Ed Irby, a biologist. Wow! So you were already into conservation at such a young age. You know. Back then, we just like catching fish, right? And you go, you go with a 
bait well full of pinfish and and man if you had 60 baits in there you might catch 50 snook i mean you'd catch a ton right and there were big ones and it was fun for us just to pull on stuff you know we were 30 pound and big rods and just you know break, break just breaking pulling on and, and, and the biologist liked it because here are these kids just they're willing to just go pull them in hard as they can as fast as they can and he'd get a tag in them and get them out you know oh how awesome and uh it was cool like in college i did a i did a paper on snook and and it, it was neat because i had information that hadn't been published yet you know and able to put it out in a paper wow so it was kind of neat um i those were great times and I did offshore fishing uh, through West Palm as well. I worked out of Sailfish Marina on an offshore boat mating. What do you remember about that? Uh, it was mainly sail fishing, stuff like that. Did um, you like that? Yeah. Oh, I liked it. I even had an offshore boat here. And after college, I went and uh, I moved here. And well, I, it was kind of a temporary vacation, really. But I moved here because I saw a boat needed a hand as a mate again. So I went right back to mating after college with a college degree. You were destined to be on the water and, somewhere. And, uh, you know, I always wanted to be a fishing guide. And I wasn't sure when. I thought it would be some sort of thing you do after you retire from something else someday. And What did you study in college? Marketing. Got a business marketing degree. Did you like it? I did. I liked it. I liked school. But you you I, just I, like fishing I, I didn't, more. I didn't like school like when I was a kid. I found it interesting when I got in my major. Right. Um, but fishing, I came back to fishing. And then I started wading some of the flats around the Keys with my duck. I had a duck hunting boat. And I would tie it around my waist and wade like off Sawyer Key and the contents and and um, bonefish. And bonefish and I mean, still to me, the best. Really? The best? Oh, yeah. yeah. More so than permit and oh, turpin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tailing, tailing bonefish, that's... If I had one day left to live and you said, what do you want to go do? And I would say, I'll go, you know, wade for tailing bonefish. Big... Big ones. Big ones. You know what? And, I, yeah, I said that recently, too. Maybe about a year ago. I was starting to assess my life within fishing, you know, and all the great fish that we've caught together and permit fishing and... When I initially got down to the Keys and started doing tournaments with Harry Spear, we fished the spring and the fall fall fly and and catching these big 12 and 13-pound bonefish and how cool they are. Yeah. You know, blowing mud and standing on their heads. And recently I thought, it's so organic to be out there waiting on white sand or wherever alone. Yeah. There's nobody around. Yep. And it's you and a fish that's standing on his head out there. Yeah, and... and Permit fishing. I mean, I love permit fishing too, but if it was my last day, I wouldn't want to be rejected before I die. <laughs> <laughs> and your chances of rejection would be pretty good, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's, it's really aggravating to retrieve your fly with a bunch of vomit on it. <laughs> exactly. It's like, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna die without catching a fish the last day. <laughs> yeah, you want to be successful, please. Thank you, Lord. So, how did you end up? down here as a guide well i like i said i'd always wanted to become a guide and as i was working on the offshore boat i was seeing skiffs running around and i was out there messing around waiting for the bonefish and and i figured well why not get my captain's license at night 
and after I'm done fishing. So I went and took a captain's license course in Key West and got my license. And uh, my boss at the time had a flats boat and I could run that flats boat for him. So I ran that a little bit and I saved up money and, and uh, I got a down payment on a boat from, uh, it was one of Jose's old boats. And uh, I bought a Maverick with a Mariner on it. And I bought it off Art Barton, a guy in Key West that would finance boats for, for guys. And he financed the boat for me. I ran the boat for about two weeks and the engine popped. It, I should have known better if it was Jose's, you know, it was going to pop. <laughs> but but <laughs> anyway, anyways, um, so then I was, I was like, oh, man, I'm screwed. I got to get a motor. And then somebody introduced me to the Yamaha guy in Key West. And and my ex-wife at the time was working at a bank in Key West. And I got a loan for a 90-horsepower two-stroke and a Yamaha and switched to that. And then I was kind of off and running. Right. Who were the, the players down here at that point? I mean, who were the people you were looking up to? I mean, you mentioned Jose oh. and eventually Jose and, and Flip Pallet and they're, they're those great TV shows. But Ralph Delph was down here, oh, yeah. you know, uh, Trossett and the boys. Yeah. But who were the fly guys that you were aspiring to? Um, I was, there was Bob Paulson, um, there, Simon Becker, even though he was just a few years ahead of me, the guy is insane. He's still insane. Great, great fisherman and good dude. Um, and, uh, and then there's, obviously Ralph Delph, uh, he, he, I viewed him more as an offshore guide at the time, but I right. am very well aware of his inshore achievements and they're, right. they're big. Everything's Ralph, Ralph has done is huge. He's by far probably one of the greatest fishermen ever, but, but, um, um, who else there, there was Jose Marshall Cutchin at the time. Uh, and then, and, and then, Steve. Oh, Steve Huff, Steve Huff. But I, I knew of Steve, but never i didn't meet steve till later but steve was like by far the who i looked up to the most when i started fly fishing but timmy carlisle is kind of who i thought i was going to try to be you know uh, i didn't i wasn't heavily into fly fishing at the time and then as i got more into fly fishing and started paying a little more attention to the tournaments and everything i'm looking at steve huff's stuff and harry spear right and uh and i was like holy cow these guys are incredible you know what what they're doing and you know i'll never forget the first time i met steve huff he was just such a gracious guy you know to come out and shake my hand and say um i'm steve huff what's your name my name's doug i was just i was i was at a and he took a business card from me i'll never forget because he says i'm gonna probably be moving out of the keys some and I'll maybe send some people your way, and I went home, and I'm just, I got Steve Huff took one of Steve Huff took one of my <laughs> business cards. I was so excited, you know. But uh, and and since we've we've actually fished together a couple times, and 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 I've got to know him better, and and his kids, and uh, the whole family is nothing but great guys, right? An extension of all of our families and our, and what we, what we, what we care for. Yeah. The spirituality that, of, of, yeah. of flats fishing stems from those guys. Yeah. And, and that goes, that goes for Timmy Carlisle too. I was, when I was younger, I would come down to 
visit Keys with my parents and I'd see Timmy Carlisle, my eyes would get big, you know, and I was almost like afraid to talk to the guy. And now we're, now I tease him and make fun of him, play jokes on him. We're like, we're really great friends now. It's, sure. it's pretty funny how it all, how things work out. Well, I, I, you know, I could see how, how you could gravitate to Timmy because of your humor. You guys both love to laugh and, and, and oh, do, yeah. do pranks on each other. Yeah. Give me, give me one of your typical Timmy Carlisle pranks. Oh gosh. I mean, I've done for, to him, I don't know. I just say there's a bird stuck in the grill of my truck. Can you help pull it out? And he, and he'll lean over and I'll beep the horn. Just stuff, anything like that, you know, scare, 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 scare. He's the, but he, he, he's the, he's probably the bigger joker. Uh, yeah, know, for sure. Right? He, he, he'll put a werewolf, werewolf mask on and hide in the ice machine you know and we open the ice machine and he jumps out he'll jump out and try to scare you or we'll put a fake alligator in the shrimp tanks or but um you know he eventually got locked in that ice machine for doing that <laughs> <laughs> i i how about that picnic table over at the sugarloaf marina yeah the picnic, i mean the stories told there's there. a there's a lot of history there i mean all the old guides just go there and hang out and timmy's timmy's dad I met him there and Dan Key and there was a bunch of great fishermen that would hang out at there, hang out there. And, and I think it, it was pretty cool. Times have changed. Um, it was really neat when you'd come in and there was these guys that you always looked up to maybe just having a beer or whatever. And then the clients come in and the clients would talk amongst each other and you almost get to meet other guides, clients. Sure. And, and like, Hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a year. You know, it's, it, that was cool, really cool stuff. That's kind of, it's changed, but hopefully, hopefully we can get that camaraderie back some right. at some point. But a lot of guys have just died off. Right. Well, um, one of your great customers forever is Fitz Coker. Oh, he still is. And how old is he now? He's eighty four. And that guy's that guy's, you know, I can't say enough nice things about Fitz Coker. He's he's been a great friend. Uh, and he's family. Right. And and his wife, Dottie. Yeah. And you cut a and lot of world records with, with both we, Fitz and Dottie. We have, she chased we, that. We have. And, and uh, we started doing that, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that. But I'd been fishing Fitz prior um, since my second year of guiding. And Fitz, how, how many years is that now? Um, this coming april will be 26 years 26 years because fitz was around in the early years oh yeah yeah know, he fished with everybody in the else 60s and and all that give me a fitz uh coker story oh gosh there's so many good ones but there's uh, his fishing you know also he was very into big tarpon fishing he didn't care much about permit still doesn't and uh but so but we had a lot of fun chasing big fish together um but He's always made me laugh. And there's one story in particular that I like to tell. And there was a time in Key West where the, this group from Miami would come down. And you, we'd leave out a garrison bite a lot in the morning in the dark. And this group would be there with their boats already off the trailer and everything sitting there. And we'd put in and you'd start idling out. And you notice that these boats start coming behind us. And I know they're, I know what they were doing. They were learning places to go from the guides that were putting in in the morning. 
So we're running out. We're we're through the lakes passage and uh, the markers, the entrance markers, the lake passage, lakes passage. And Doug, <laughs> Fitz says, Doug, stop the boat, please. I got to take a shit. <laughs> and I said, okay. And I pull it back in neutral and I. I look back and this boat comes off plane behind us and now the sun's coming up and I see these guys take their binoculars and they start shining, looking at their, looking at what they, I guess they think we're going to start fishing right there, you know? And, uh, Fitz pulls his pants down and starts doing his business. And I said, well, Fitz, what do you think they're thinking now? And he says, well, Doug, they're probably wondering who the bald guy is with a cigar hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just one of many stories. But he's got it. We've we've just had some great times together. And 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 I hope there's more to come. Uh, COVID kind of screwed it up this year for him. And, right. you know, he, you got to worry about health when you're that age. And sure. so. He's been kind of quarantined in, in Montana. Right. How did, uh, you know, a lot of people over the years, you have Marty Arustegui that has attained all these records and his son and his wife and Meredith McCord and all of these records are, you know, very, very small fish to to get the, you know, the certificate to mm-hmm. get a record. And Dottie was one of these ladies. She's yeah. gotten over a hundred some records and you mm-hmm. were fishing with her and attaining all these records. How did that make you a better guide if it did in any, any way? Well, it it definitely... I mean, was it ever like a pain in the ass? Uh, because these are smaller fish and different fish. Or that, did you embrace it? I am. I especially embraced it when there was nothing else to do. When, when, you're, when it's cold and there's no tarpon around and permit, it's blown out. We can go in the lee of a shoreline and fish for bonnethead sharks, you know, and on two or four. And, you know, I challenge anybody to catch a good size bonnet on two pound. It's not easy. And um, especially starting from scratch without getting much input from other people on the tricks. So we... we because because we, nobody fishes for bonnethead for the most well, part, right? Well, and we had, we had so many growing pains because... I didn't have like a line of communication going with Steve Huff. Hey, how do you help me? How do I do this on two? You know, how should, yeah. how, what's your, so we, we went through a lot of the growing pains and we learned a lot of, of ways to catch them. And, and it's interesting. It's, I found it very interesting too. Like there's places in the lower keys where there's eight to 10 pound, maybe even 11 pound, bonnetheads but 95 percent of the whole lower keys they all are five and a half to seven pounds and it's like the old downtown bonefish in Colorado. you know there there's bigger fish that gravitate to certain areas same with the bonnethead shark and so it made guiding interesting so you're bone fishing one day or permit fishing one day and you go ooh, that sucker's nine pounds I just saw another one that could be 10. And now you go, ah, I, I got to come back here with Dottie, you know? So it adds, it adds, keeps your mind ticking. Right. And, and it's fine. It, I find that interesting. And it gives you a bigger spectrum too. And it gives you a much bigger, and, and you also, also you're looking at other issues. Are there, are there mangrove stumps around here? Can I do this on the low tide where, 
where they're not going to be, it's not going to be flooded up and they're going to run into those trees, hit those stumps and break you off and break you off. Right. And same goes with small tarpon on two even, which we haven't had much success with, but we've hooked piles, piles. obviously. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's amazing how right. bad they they want those trees. How yeah. how different is it for you because now you're fishing obviously with Cat uh, Linville and she's attained two world record permits. Not what she has not year. she did not get those with me. But um, but you fish with her and you just I, finished I, third in the men's uh permit tournament the yeah, uh, the yeah, IGFA yeah. All, all tackle. Um Cat is a, one of my favorite people to fish with. Uh she is so dedicated it's so cool to see someone that dedicated i've never actually i've never fished anybody over a three-year period that has improved as much as cat men is that anybody. because she started at such a low level or because she's just so dedicated um, and has uh, worked she, so hard she did start at a low level but even she gets better and better and better and better and it's because she practices she she, she'll go to the park four or five days a week and throw and throw and throw and back cast forward cast. I mean, she's got it. She's really working hard at it and she doesn't fish as much as everybody thinks she fishes. You know, she, she's going to school. She's works at the shop. And so, uh, when she's not fishing, she's practicing and man, is it showing. I bet, I bet that was almost like a win for you to finish third in that uh, IGFA permit tournament with not, her. Not really for me. C- kind of a win, though. I, I mean, you, shot, I want, you, you opened a lot of eyeballs. Maybe. But, but a win is a win. Obviously. But you want to win. Yeah. And and Cat wants to win. Cat, Cat wants it. I want it. Um, I want it as much for Cat as myself. I, but it's, it's really... Yeah, third's, you know, you're in there, but you didn't win. How did it feel to to win all these permit tournaments and, you know, in the in the Golden Fly with me? That was cool, man. I mean, when I was fishing the Golden Fly with you, um, I, it's funny, you know, you, your your abilities were so good. We we had fished quite a bit together besides right. the tournament. And I actually felt like you're expected right. to win when you're fishing with Andy Mill, you know? And uh, so believe it or not, there's a lot of pressure there on the guide because you're going, damn, if I don't win, that means I sucked because Andy doesn't suck. Right. <laughs> you, know right. I mean? you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, I so, 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 you know, there, there was some pressure there. And uh, eventually, you know, we did get the golden fly together and we did well. And that was a lot of fun, and I'll never forget some of the. How about that rubbing. last? How about that last weight fish we caught? Oh my so, gosh! So here we are. We had a really big lead. We had like a two thousand point lead in the first two days. That's two hundred pound fish mm-hmm. going into the last day. And I said, if, if we if we catch a big weight fish, I, I I think they're gonna have a hard time catching us. And we go out into you know the back country and. I think in the first thirty minutes we caught this big old fish. Tell, yeah. tell me about what, tell me what happened oh, there. Oh man, and that fish we as we strapped it or yeah, as we strapped it, it you know blew splooge all Everything. over the boat and and we were celebrating and screaming Sweet. and yelling and high fiving and we 
I don't know if it was you or me. You did it first. I took some of that and I just rubbed some it in of, my hair. Some of the white stuff that was spooged all over the boat. That, what is that movie? Something about Mary or whatever. That's, <laughs> that's what it was like. We had the whole spike. I remember we spiked our hair with all the white and, spooge. And you know that. And then I that, took that. That shit burn. ends up burning you later. Well, you know on. what we it was. Burning. No, you said oh, we're going on. We're going into the poon house. We're going underground. <laughs> we're gonna get some poon camo on. And the camo was the white spooge, and, and I'm spiking my hair. And then I thought, well, here's some brown stuff. Let's put some brown stuff on. And I put the brown stuff on my face, and it's like, oh no. Oh no! It I felt starts, like my face was going to boil up and yeah, peel off. I had to get it, that crap crap off of there. It burned. But yeah. the hair was fine. And by the time we went into the way station, we had a herd of flies that was about a mile long, and it took me about six weeks to get that crap out of my hair. Oh man! How much was fun funny. was that? And then we go over to just we get our we start everything. catching we start catching a bunch of releases that are all weights, and. uh I'll never forget we we had our little zone where we were catching them, catching them, and they hop. And there was another boat on the other side of the bank, and um, our, our fish took our, us to the other side of the bank with them. Right, and, and and then they jumped in our place, and then so we went in their place, and, and we had yeah, well, our fish took us down by boat. We released it, and that boat on the inside jumped the bank, and we started fishing where we were because we were catching all the fish. And I said, let's just go over there. There's fish over there too. We started whacking them over there too. I mean, it, it was, was just like perfect, you yeah, know. It, it was perfect light. Everything was right. It's so much fun because um, you work so hard to learn, you know, all these areas and how to catch these fish. Uh, and but a lot of people would say. You know, it's almost an oxymoron tournament fishing. It's a contrast in words because a lot of times to go fishing, you just want to go enjoy yourself and catch some fish. But now all of a sudden you're putting all the pressure on yourself to, you know, to ruin what we originally want to do by, you know, while we go fishing. Yeah. But I think, too, as somebody like myself and somebody like Mm -hmm. yourself, you spend so much time doing it. It's like that's the only way to assess how good are you by jumping into that arena and on that specific three to five days, everybody does battle. Yeah, and and that just proves who's the best that that week. That week. Yeah. And and there's a lot in my opinion that in my honest opinion, I mean, I don't think term, tournament fishing is the best assessment of a guide. I think there's lots of other things. You know how you treat your clients, how you how you you know teach teach them make them better and not of them most of them aren't going to be tournament fishermen and 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 you know fishing i don't think is truly about tournaments it's just about fishing fishing and it's good for the soul right and uh and i i do believe that that is the most important part of fishing tournaments we just get involved in because we test we want to test ourselves right and you get a group of people that want to test themselves for the week and see how see how it goes, but tournament fishing will teach you a lot for sure. It teaches you about preparation, knots, and uh, hooks. I mean, everything from where tides where fish you start. It really elevates your your level of thinking and preparation it demands you to bring out the best it, of your ability it does it's if anything there's a fear of not doing well for me right there's just a i don't want to be I, I i just 
don't want to look bad. Right. And, you know, what, um, I, you know, my question is, is it difficult after you have fished a lot of great guys over the years and winning all these tournaments, how difficult is it to fish somebody you don't know? Uh, I as, enjoy a, it. A, as a guide. I enjoy it. I enjoy, I enjoy, Teaching. I enjoy spin fishing still. I, I love it. Um, I think there's a time and place for it in my guiding. Um, I'd prefer to do it in the winter or right. the fall. Um, but I think it's, uh, I think it's, you got to bring people along. Right. And, and that's a new client too. That, that could be a, that could be a whale of a client. Right. And you, um, you get to, you get to maybe bring this person, person along and that's gratifying to, to take someone that wasn't so good and, and help them out with the cast with presentation or, and, uh, you know, some of them are going to jump in with both feet and some of them aren't right you, you just you it, never know it depends on their personality it's funny because a lot of the guys who've done this as long as you have have their clientele and they don't they, they will not fish with anybody that they don't know mm -hmm. you know but in your career you really had a bad shoulder injury yeah which your which put your career in jeopardy tell me about that oh boy well i was chasing down a, a school tarpon i'll never forget when it happened it happened on chasing a school tarpon down and my push pole got stuck in the ground and I went, Ooh, and it pulled my arm back. And for the next few months, I was just like in a lot of pain and I went and got an MRI and, and, uh, I torn, I had a labral tear, which is, you know, that's not that big of a deal. So anyway, I go to surgery, I get surgery and they put a, uh, a pain pump in my shoulder, um, which, which administers a mixture of marcaine and epinephrine through a little bolus where you pump it just like your primer ball on your boat and it administer medication and it administered pain, pain it, relief. Yes. Pain relief. And it administered it into my, the joint space. And, um, it was really not supposed to be in the joint space, but it was. And it cut off my blood supply to my bones. So my bones died in my shoulder. Because of that pump. Because of that pump. So so my humoral so, so so the doctor should be is was liable? Um it would have been it probably it would have malpractice. It, it would have been an anesthesiology deal. And um uh we did have malpractice suit, which we lost. Um, all the, we were about, the, we were going to be the first case to go to trial and, um, about this and, and because it was, there, there was proof in rabbits and pigs and stuff that it causes chondrolysis and osteonecrosis of the bone. So, so death of the bone. So, um, we had this, we didn't have proof in humans. So there's a, a motion called a Dalbert motion in federal court. We won't have to get into all the legalities, but, but we didn't have proof in humans. And, and basically uh, it got thrown out on summary judgment. And then it went to appellate court and it was heard and there's still not, not enough there. After, after the fact, many more people came out and they ended up winning all those cases. But that's okay. Uh, we lost. And, um, you know, Joe Rodriguez told me a while back, he said, he's a good friend of mine. He said, you'll be a better man for it. 
And uh, maybe, maybe so. And that's the way you got to look at it. Right. And you just, you just go forward. Cause you can't, you can't fix it, but you had to have a shoulder replacement. I had to have a a total shoulder replacement. Right. And And, your your guiding career was probably at that point really very much in jeopardy because you couldn't push and pull your boat. Oh, definitely was in jeopardy. I was told by doctors that I shouldn't, that I should look for a new career. And how is it now? Oh, it's not the best. But you get along. I mean, when I fished I'm with you recently, year, I'm 13 years into it. Right. And yeah, it hurts every night for sure. I put a pillow under it every night. And, and, um, but I would rather be in a little bit of pain than not do, than, than do something that I didn't love. And that's, I, I went on to try and try and guide part of the year and run a lodge and everything. And I got thinking, this is, I'm missing out on I'm what not I a really. Lo- I'm not a lodge owner. I'm not. I, I'm missing out on what I really love to do. Right. And I want to. I want to fish, and I'm still going to just do it as long as I can. If I need to get another one, I'll get another one. I, I'm 13 years into this one, and the plastic, the socket parts plastic, and I'm about worn through. Um, but there might might wear into the bone and start forming another socket. Who who knows? We just right, got. Right. But until then. I'm going to live it right, and do it and go for it. And uh, why not? Well, you know, I can't help but go back to the old saying, which is at the top of the show, which is a great metaphor for life, which was originally penned by uh, um, Hunter S. Thompson, which was uh, life's journey to the grave should not be one arriving in a pretty well-preserved body but to rather skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly worn out, yeah. totally used up, proclaiming loudly, "Wow, what a ride!" Yeah, I, that's like I, what I tell people. I'd rather I'd rather wear out than rust out. Right, same thing. And uh, you know, I think I don't mind. If it, I'm just going to keep doing it. Yeah. And, and you know, for to be honest, for a little while, I was a little bit bitter and bitter about losing the lawsuit, knowing that there was instructions to put it in the joint space and then they put a false set of instructions in our deposition tried to say it was in the surgical site we caught him doing this stuff we still lost right so so um i was bitter i was bitter for at least a year and a half and and finally i said you gotta quit i don't know what happened one day i i don't know what maybe i was out working in the yard or something and i just went you gotta get over this because you're you're only gonna turn the people away that love you, your friends and your family, if you are bitter and that's all you got. Right. I mean, so why put it aside and put it aside on. and just go forward. You know, I, the darkest uh, period of my life was when I went through a divorce and it was mm-hmm. during the gold cup when I was told that, you know, my ex-wife didn't want to be married any longer. And then I went into this deep, dark hole and cried <laughs> for three years. And you called me like, every week i mean you were the best friend and then unfortunately your ex-wife told you during the gold during cup, the gold to, cup you man, call me and said you cannot believe what has gone down yeah you know and uh then you fell into that dark hole your wife was sick long you know long story short she yeah. ended up you know passing yep uh and remember this book i sent you i do it's called 
when things fall apart. Oh yeah, yeah. You 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 signed that, and you gave it. You sent it. You sent me two books. There was another one you sent me, but it was great. But but uh, that's what friends do for one another. You lift each other up, and and you lifted me up. I lifted you up, and. That's you know, it was funny that's, because that's what I, we do. I had signed it and you said, well, I'm going to sign mine and pass it to the next guy. That has oh, there's going to be plenty more fishing guides are going to need it. So, <laughs> so if you ever, if you ever go through a really deep, dark hole, when things fall apart, I promise yeah. you it will help. Maybe you. that'd be one of y'all's new sponsors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll probably be a top seller because there's a lot of people who need help out there, you know? Well, you know, cat, cat, and the thing is right, but cat, well, it's valley, but, um, you know, everybody recognizes her as Kat Linville, but she's going through ca- um, school right now to become a counselor. And we're like, when you're done becoming a counselor, you've got an instant clientele. You've got all these permit fishermen. You got all these fishermen <laughs> that come. Down. You, it's like you could just open shop like immediately. There's, there's a big part of the keys that's crying on a daily basis. Yeah, maybe, maybe they open a little. Thing in the back of the angling company where they can <laughs> where cats counseling you know yeah you can buy flies uh strong arm permit flies in the front yeah. end and, and there's it, a big couch it, you can rent on the back just end come in after fishing we'll take care of you you know <laughs> tell me about your passions for hunting and and you know you you know you had a home and and cody we've always spoken about elk hunting right. and bow hunting and i remember I remember you were saying, oh, my shoulder, you know, now I hurt my shoulder, you know, and you're talking about shooting a bow and being able to pull back a 70 pound bow. And we were shooting in your garage. And I said, well, just lighten your bow. I did. And and you killed this monster elk. Yeah. Tell tell me about, tell me about that. Well, and that, and that success, because I, I even had a recurve for a little while that I was shooting and then the shoulder just couldn't do it. And I couldn't hold. Right. You know, and uh, but but I got into hunting out west uh, for big game and it started with rifle and and deer hunting and um, with some some guys that are dear friends of mine, Chris McCready, Jim Kirkpatrick, John Niebuhr. But anyways, those guys were all fishing clients of mine in the beginning, in the beginning, even McCready in the beginning. Um, And then. We got it. They said, you got to come out west. and help with this. So I got into it and it evolved into bow hunting. And I have a big passion for duck hunting, too. I mean, I love the dog part right. and everything else. But but um, yeah, so I ended up uh, lowering the poundage of the bow with your recommendation. And, and, you know, man, I just we were up on public land, a guy, Dan White and I. And um, Dan's got some places that are good to hunt. I, I couldn't even take you there today if I, I wouldn't know how to get there. Um, he just, you know, say let's go hunt up here, and we use his horses and everything. Get up in there, and damn if this big elk doesn't come in, and I couldn't tell if it was a grizzly or an elk coming in because it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't even talking. He wasn't, he wasn't bugling. And uh, a lot of elk were down on private land already, but probably this big bull was waiting um, for more cows to come in and would go down later. Uh, I imagine that's what he was going to do. And he came in, and as I was there, we we had a camp set up, and we hiked down to a bottom, and and uh, 
this elk comes in and there's a bunch of wallows in there and stuff. We dig out, you know, dug out water for the horses and for ourselves. You get out of the, basically keep it scent free, get the horses out of there and everything. And uh, man, this elk comes in and 30, 35 yards. And with that lighter bow, it went all the way through both lungs and this much of the fletching sticking out. And he just looked up and around and took about five steps and just tipped over, went over. And uh, I don't, you know, never worked like that before for me. <laughs> Everything was so hard. Right. You know, you put on so many miles and uh, hiking and walking and, you know, losing a bunch of weight and everything. And then all of a sudden something like that, it just. It and it was kinda, a monster. Monster. And it kind of, kind of falls in your lap, but you know, you practice your shooting and everything else. And I guess sometimes a tarpon kind of falls in your lap too, you know, every, right. every now and then, you know, but, but there's a lot of, there was a lot of work to get to that point and I'd missed before and everything else. And then, then I drew that tag again and got another one, right? It's like kind of once the, and that's the one the bear opened up and, you know. Yeah. Tell me about the bear issue. Um, well, there's a couple of them, but didn't that didn't a bear find your animal? Okay, a bear took ownership. I, I hit. I I got it. I got you know. Can I hit him on the, probably liver? And uh, he stood there for a long time. It was raining in the afternoon, and he stood there for a long time. You just you were thinking he was going to just go down, you know. And it's getting dark, waiting. I'm with two other guys, um, and you know you're losing blood because the rain's washing it yeah, away. Yeah, you can't find, you can't trail him. Can't and then we look him. over and here's a grizzly. There's a grizzly. And your bear's still standing. My elk's sitting there. The elk's sitting there, you know, kind of sick. Here's a bear. And we know it's bleeding, but blood's getting washed by water. We were like, and then the elk just kind of walks off. Maybe it sensed that bear. And then we, I decide, okay, it's now, I got to go look for it because he may have bedded down be right. And I went and looking and he jumped. I bumped him. I said, we can't, we got to go. We, so we left and went back in the morning and it was cold enough that the elk was, anyways, meat He's didn't, be fine meat didn't right. spoil or anything. But, uh, cause it got cold that night, snowed and everything. But, but um, anyways, we leave, come back in the morning this time we ring shotguns and, <laughs> and bear spray. And sure enough, we bump we bumped that bear off the elk. And we know the elk was I have pictures of even of the elk was half buried. He he gutted the whole elk for me. He didn't touch any meat. He gutted the whole elk. And the elk was half buried. And you know, we're taking it apart as fast as we can. We can hear the bear coming trying to come in. <laughs> Hey, hey, get out of here, bear, 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 you know. And, uh, you know, you got one guy holding a gun and another guy, other guys cutting as fast as they can. Let's get the hell out of here, you know. So we get out. We we ended up getting getting out of there. And bear probably got the rest of the carcass, you know. But, uh, yeah, that was that was only one spooky time. We had another time where I made a bad shot on one. And um, two friends of mine got charged. And one of them was on his back. And the bear was trying to bite him and he sprayed him in the mouth and in the face with bear spray, Dan White. And he sprays another friend of mine, Mark McCarty, and Mark goes tumbling down. It gets <laughs> gets hung up in a tree, luckily, because it was a 
drop off. Big drop off right. in this draw. And Dan had slobber all over his shirt mixed with bear spray. It was just insane. And and so I saw all that happen. I took one side of a draw. They took the other side of the draw. And the 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 the, the deal was you see the elk cow call. So I'm up on top of this other side of the draw. I'm looking down and I see antlers. And I said, Oh shit, there's my elk, you know? So I cow call. You know, and sure. And then they cow call back. And then I look across and here comes this bear. His front the big boar. His his front legs are going in back of the back and the backs are going in front of the fronts. And he is just coming. Get, coming fast. And Dan Hey Barry's yelling, trying to, and there were no, there wasn't any time. Right. I don't know how these guys could do it with a pistol, or even a rifle that well if it's coming that quick. I just don't. I'm not that good. I mean, that that was something that happened. It it happened that quick, and Dan, as he's got the bear spray out, and Mark was trying to get his, but he had the snap on it. He had it snapped in. And Dan was able to get his out, and the bear was about from me to you, and he fall, falls back on a little side hill. He's on his back, and that bear is basically coming to bite him, and he's just letting him have it with bear spray in the mouth and the nose and the eyes. And, uh, man, it got out of the situation. It got out of the situation safely. The bear then went down that big steep ridge, and they're so athletic, it's amazing. And went up my side of the ridge and didn't want anything to do with me after being sprayed. Right. And uh, got it got out of the situation. But it was it was the most intense thing I've ever seen in my life, for sure. For I sure. can't even imagine. Yeah. And Dan's just such a good outdoorsman. and uh, He just knew what to do. And he thankfully, he had he, the bear spray. It wasn't his first time with bear interaction. But uh, he's he's a guy who taught. If I could only remember half the stuff that guys taught me, he's a he was a biology teacher and Cody and and uh, he spent so much time in the hills that he's pretty comfortable right. with everything. What uh, where do you see for yourself over the next ten fifteen years? Oh, I I see myself to continue continue fishing. Um, who knows, though, man? You never know. Are you still going to be chasing tournaments? You still like tournaments uh, as much? I, as, in, I mean, the the turpin tournaments are hard. In ten years, you know, big running, big no. runs down to the lower keys. Yeah, in, high in, speed boats. Yeah, in, in ten years, no, no, I will not be doing tournaments in ten years. Um, Maybe the permit tournaments. Yes, because that's a little bit if, so much easier on your body. Yeah, and and you're staying at home. Right. Yeah, I like to be with my wife and my dogs and and uh i don't know i i don't want to make those big long runs and beat myself up anymore right. as you get a little bit older you're thinking about preservation a little bit more you know right. and, and when you get and, to my age there's nothing yeah. left <laughs> <laughs> but but i mean we're we we do like the we do say we want to uh, we want to wear out not rust out but we also can't be stupid you know <laughs> for sure but um and there is a point where you know, I'm sure I'll always be a competitive type, mm-hmm. as you are. Um, and you always want to stay in the game. You want to in stay. Some in, way. You want to stay in the game, but 
I don't think you have to fish tournaments to do that. Right. I agree. You can push yourself. You know what? I'm out. I, I left the game a long time right. ago. And thankfully, I've got, you know, my son, Nikki to yeah. share my passions with. And I don't think I'd fish as much as I do now if I didn't have him. Right. I, mean, I like to fish, but I, I love fishing with him. Yeah. But I'm always going to be in the outdoors. I'm always going to be a fisherman, but at, at my own pace. Right. Right. Yeah. And. I just, they'll just, there will be a point in time where I stop the tarpon tournaments for sure. But, yeah. but I'm going to keep fishing. I love fishing. I love all, by the way, all types of fishing. I don't, it doesn't have to be tarpon bonefish permit. I, I love snapper fishing. Cuda fishing. I love cuda fishing. I love snapper fishing. I love right. looking for muttons or big yellow jacks. I mean, I like just being out there. I like fishing. Yeah. I don't care if it's with spinning rods uh, or fly rods or, plug casting rods i just like to fish and you like your friends i like, you like fishing with good friends love it yeah and family you know i have a good fam family is very involved and and uh the the my nephews they love the fish and my 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 dad's who got me into fishing so and my brother you know they he's into it and um so yeah i think we, we all love to get they get down here around the end of July, we usually do that lobster diving, but then we fish. And that I look forward to that every year. It's like this family reunion of fishing, diving. And and you can open their eyes to your world. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you see that fire oh, grow yeah. and in a young man. It's pretty cool to see, you know, these guys, what they've become. And when they started, <laughs> little kids like this can we're having they're wearing life jackets you know and now right. they're now they're all in college and everything the, now they're pulling your boat now let them now, pull, you, now you get a cast yeah but let them pull the anchor and do all that good stuff <laughs> I, I, tri I used to trick them and they have an anchor pulling contest you know and try and time and so you can, <laughs> okay you did it in 30 seconds you know let's see if you could do it quicker you know you do you could get away with that for a little while they're getting smarter though yeah sure <laughs> Well, Doug, it's great having you on the podcast. You know, it's just so much fun having you in our lives. You know, it's just such a joy to fish with you and just to hang. Well, it's always been a joy fishing with you and and Nikki over there, who hasn't said much today, but I, I wait. He's just over there laughing at me yeah, right no. now. But, He'll criticize but, me later. But, but we've had a great we've had a great time together, and I I I know there'll be more to come for sure. All right, buddy. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Nikki. After listening to Doug's story, you can understand why everyone loves and respects him so much. Ask anyone, and they will agree. He's a class act. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do us a favor and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to see more content or behind the scenes, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We'll see you again soon.